Hi everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Town Social. We've gone from absolute abject misery and pain and sorrow, half-time at Norwich at home, nobody in the ground looking into the abyss of League One, only for Warnock to whip his magic wand out. Apologies for the uh, mental image that that conjures up. But he's basically conjured up a magical 11 points from five games and suddenly we're back, right back in the mix. Followed by a defeat to Swansea and a point at Sunderland. Is it enough? Who knows? But one thing I do know is we're in for a very, very nervy few weeks. Joining me tonight is Ian Kilroy, Tristan Batley, Kyle and Gaskey. Guys, welcome. Thanks for joining us. And uh, where do we start? Let's let's touch on this incredible run that Warnock has somehow managed to conjure up. I think if you'd have asked any town fan at half-time in that Norwich game, it was absolutely abysmal. You just couldn't see any way that we were going to get the results to keep us up. And then suddenly we get that result at Millwall and it just seemed to galvanise us and we kind of rode the quest, crest of the wave, got some amazing results and we're right back in there, lads. Yeah, when we spoke last time, I think we all accepted that, you know, at least the club were doing something about it and, and you know, bringing Warner King was probably as smart a move as they could have, they could have probably pulled. Uh, and if anyone had a chance of keeping his up, if anybody could do it, he could do it. Um, I don't think anybody really believed he could do it, and possibly including Neil Warnock and, and Ronnie Jepson. I don't think even they were that convinced. Well, they only made light of it in the in, in his press conferences. But you know, we, we've been on a, an unbelievable run in the last the last sort of four to six weeks. Eleven from eighteen points. You know, some really good performances in there. Bar Swansea, I think Swansea was a bit abject. Um, you know, Swansea were on a good run of form in fairness, and, and they're a, they're a decent as decent a side as there is this year in the championship. And these lads have worked really hard. And I just wonder if it was just a game too far at that point for us. But you know, we we're, we're actually now it's it's it technically it's in our hands with games to come against uh against Reading. You know, that it's gonna to go to the last day, I do think, but you know, with every chance. Um I've been really pleased with the commitment and the effort the guys have given. Neil and, and and the fans, and we're actually scoring goals. That's the other thing that that that's made me feel encouraged. And we actually look like we're going to score goals. I think some of the final ball into some of the final quality into the box has been has been iffy. But you know the rebirth of Josh Caroma, uh, you know, and, and also the the quality of delivery of some of the set pieces. Jack Rodoni finding the net suddenly out of nowhere. You know, we've gone from like you say, Nick, half time against Norwich. I was getting my Google Maps out and seeing how far it was to Cheltenham. But you know, I actually feel like now we've got we've got half a chance. So it's uh, it's going to be an exciting few weeks, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree, guys. I I think for me the big change is that they're capable of actually scoring and and scoring more than one. And and actually, we don't fall completely and utterly flat on his face when we go behind. In fact. To be quite honest with you, more often than not, I've felt as confident going behind that we'd get a goal than, you know, probably the Blackburn game where we went two ahead and I'm, and and I've you know I was I was probably and rightly so nervous for the rest of the game. So I think I think for me that's that's been the big change. Um, you know, twelve goals in seven games. I think it is. Um, Amazingly, three of them, only three of them have been set pieces, which 
you know, I think that's shown by the approach they've taken. Um, you know, we 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 seem to have tried to 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 stay in games, defend, you know, defend quite quite low, stay in games and, and hit teams on on the, the counter. And as you said, Coroma, Rodone, Humble, um, you know, and, and, and a couple of other cameos. Have have achieved that, you know. They've they've absolutely carried that game plan out to an absolute T. So I think I think for me, it's you know it, it's to be, to to be quite honest, with you, it's just been it's just been quite exciting compared to what we've we've faced for three quarters the the, the other three quarters of the season. That Norwich game is really where it all turned around, isn't it? I think up until that point. Initially, I thought one at coming in, I'd have no chance of saving this season. I thought I thought no one could save it. Um, I'll admit at this point, I was wrong. I was very, very wrong. But until that Norwich game, it looked terrible. But maybe one up there is trying to find out what we had. I'm pretty sure he can't have seen us before he joined us. There's no way he saw our team. Because like, like Gaz is saying, I just, I, I want to touch this. No, no way would anyone come in. We couldn't score goals. We couldn't keep possession. We couldn't create chances. We gifted easy goals away. There was no shape. There was no design of football. When you were watching us play, we looked terrible. And, those first few games looked actually worse than what Fotheringham produced, I thought, over his last few games at town. I thought we actually regressed into an even worse, worse kind of team. However, Norwich, half-time, I was sat, I was sat with Matt Shaw, actually, TTC dropping in, dropping in names here. And we were talking about it. The first half looked useless. There were there were no shape off the ball in midfield. And what he did at half-time in that game is we changed to the man versus man. One-on-one, everyone had a role to play and they knew exactly who they were and what player they had to defend against. And that accountability and that responsibility changed the entire shape of our defence and the season from then has been much better because the blueprint that he brought in in that second half, we've used every single game. Now, there are drawbacks with it, but as you can see, all of a sudden we look like an actual football team capable of staying in this division. And up until that point, I don't think there was one football fan, pundit or expert that thought that that was the case. I won't have pulled it out, I don't actually know. But by doing it, we just, it's like we've gone back to the drawing board. It's very, very simple. I think we, we lost a lot of men and, and we conceded a lot of goals from strikers and midfielders on opposing teams, slipping markers. And our communication wasn't the best. We don't have any leaders in there bar hog. So as soon as a midfielder pushed through to the final third, we just lost him entirely. Walnut picked up on that, went man for man. So you see it now, you're seeing Coroma, you're sometimes seeing it at centre back if the fullback is an overlapper and, and then tucks in a little bit. You're seeing. All our play, even Danny Ward's getting back into his own box sometimes, Mark. And if a centre back goes running, there are so many players out of position in theory just to play Warnock style. And that style is quite unorthodox for the championship. And you can see other teams struggling to counter to counter it. And because of that, that's where that amazing run came from. Now, just a little side, which I'll talk about later on. We have now not won for three games which is a bit of a worry going into these final three games of the season because teams now know exactly what we're doing or what we're going to coming up against now. Our teams adjusting for our man versus man in uh, in, in midfield um, defending. But the, the responsibility and accountability we brought in by going to, to that system really has helped everybody. We're a team that brought in players from that League One, such as Rodone and Kasumu over the summer. And now this is, to me a more of a League One, League Two style system that we're playing. And they all of a sudden look much more comfortable because I think they're used to doing what they're being asked to do now by Neil Warnock. And again, the points on the board are showing that we're much better because of it. I think when you defend like we do, you become impossible to break down. We're not going to win every game. We're not going to get a point in every game. But it's very rare for a team to play like we do and get battered 3-4-0. And they've totally disappeared from us now. Whereas going into that first half of the Norwich game, it was quite expected it was going to happen all over, wasn't it? 
but it's just in there anymore. And because, like honestly, Radoni especially looks a tall different player playing in this system. He doesn't have to think about what he has to do off the ball anymore. He just has to follow his man. And then as soon as we get the ball, he has a license now to break and go forward. And that's the same for all four players at the either ACM, right wing, left wing, striker. It's really, really good. And now what you've got is it kind of turns into this is it a better system, even though the teams are now working us out, or do we have a bit more belief in ourselves? All of a sudden looks going our way. Vaslik looks like one of the best keepers in the world every now and then. He's saving. He's unbelievable. Whereas his first few games in the season, he was awful. It was a laughing stock. He couldn't walk. He couldn't kick. He couldn't jump backwards. I think I compared him to David Seaman's attempt against Ronaldinho in 2002. And here he is. He's like prime Peter Schmeichel at the moment. When anything near him, he's all over it. Again, though, is it ability? I don't think he's improved. But the belief in the team in front of him, I think just given everybody, he's just picked everybody up. Everyone knows Warnock's man management is unbelievable. And... I will say, if he does manage to keep us up, he's got to go down as one of his best achievements because we were utterly horrendous until that second half in the Norwich game. And somehow he's got us looking and performing like a team that has a chance of staying up. And I don't, again, think anyone could have picked that at any point up until that game. We were dead, we were dead and buried, weren't we? Let's be honest. We were, we were dead and buried. I mean, you look at the table now and, and Wigan and Blackpool have gone. It could quite easily be us. It could all be over now quite easily. So you have to, you know, you have to even credit for that. I think the other thing that change of shape and that change of styles done Ian, is we look, we were actually breaking with pace. You know, the problem we had before our transitions were terrible. You know, we won the ball back in our third, and we had absolutely no clue what to do or where to go. We were and terrified, guys. It's because we were terrified of losing possession. We fall into that championship yeah. thing of you've got to dictate play. You have to control games. You can't do that if you're the 24th best at it in our division. And at that point, we were we were awful. We were the worst team on the ball. So don't try and play that way. Warnock's coming. He doesn't have that ego, does he, though, that some managers, they want to imprint their own style. We're playing my way. We're going to play this way, no matter what. He's big enough and old enough and experienced enough to know you've got to look at what you've got yeah. and play play with what you've got. And like you said, you break forward fast. You don't mess about with the back. You don't take risky passes. You get it out of the way where you're going to cause yourself harm in regards to conceding goals. Like I say, guys, we look a total different team because of it. Yeah. On, on, on the Sunderland game the other night, in the second half, we had four, three or four times uh, Kasuma won the ball round about the halfway line and we brought and we were four on four. You know, I mean, we haven't seen any of that for a long time with the Huddersfield Town team, have we? And But for a but for a poor final ball or, or a poor few final touches, we could easily have won that game as a consequence. So now then that that's I don't know, that's very interesting. I think that's why it feels exciting. It feels that actually when we get the ball, we feel, a, it feels like we've got an idea what we're going to do with it, and B we look effective. You know, and that and that's I think I put that in one of my tweets. You know, we just look effective, and that's what we've not been for so long. We look like we've got a clue, don't we? We look like we've got a game plan. We know what we're doing now. Psychology is massive in in any sport, but particularly in football. And when you're on a run like we were. It's interesting, isn't it? Because everyone says we've had a lot of bad luck this season, and we have with the Hawkeye and everything else. But that goal against Norwich, that wagon chip off the post going in as an own goal, you know, that piece of luck has changed our season, really. Because if that doesn't go in and we don't, we get nothing from that game, where would we be now? We'd probably be down, wouldn't we? But from then, it gives everybody a lift. We get momentum bit of belief back. Suddenly they've got a bit of extra yard of pace. There's a bit more of a spring in the step and you kick on. I I, I really enjoyed watching us actually against against Sunderland. I, I was really impressed with the energy that we showed, the directness. 
my my only criticism, and it, and it, I, I guess this is the downside of having young players in the side, is just the decision making, the final ball, just taking too many touches on the on the counter attack. If you if you comparison, you know, contrast it with Sunderland's breakaway goal, it was you know two touches, ball through, bang. You know, Lee stands off him, off him, off him, off him, scratches himself, checks his watch, has a cup of tea, and Gar. It's a great finish, but it's it's so much time just to finish it. But that transition from where they were, it was literally two passes straight through. Whereas for us, it's one pass, right? We'll we'll take four touches and then try and lay it off. By which time they've all got back, and we just need to be quicker in four on the ball. That final pass, just that final touch. I mean, poor Diara, that chance right at the end, if. You know, if that's a Jordan Rhodes, that's going in the back of the net, isn't it? And he, he, were, he were knackered, bless him. I mean, Warnock, I think Warnock said he, it, it completely, it come, it was completely spent by that point. But they all put a massive shift in, and it was just, it was night, nice. it was just refreshing to see us have a go and create chances. And for the majority, of, I'd say about eighty-five percent of this season, we've we've offered nothing. So to to be from that to where we are now, I mean, regardless of what happens from here on in. To me, he's done an incredible job because he's brought some open belief back and a bit of enjoyment back to what has been, in the whole, a thoroughly depressing season. It was the same, Nick, against Blackburn on the transitions that our final ball just week. We could have won that game. Ben Jackson missed, had two opportunities yeah. in the Aroma last 10 minutes. And Kasuma as well. All we have to do two. is send Ward through and it's 3-0. And that that's it's just that difference in quality. But it's just nice that what I say when we break forward, you can see men have jobs to do. You can see someone goes to the back post, someone goes to the front post, and someone goes to the middle. And it's even better than that, in that for the goal where Hungbo dribbles it again again against Blackburn, when he when he puts it to the front post and Rodoni runs in, he actually delays his dribble. You can see him stand his wing, he stands a full back up and then goes past him and puts the ball in. And that's by intention because that gives your midfield time to support the strikers. Little things like that happen every single game. That when we go forward, you can see the assignments that we've got, and we haven't had that all season. To be honest, I don't think we've had that. Corbin had it; he did. He had the same thing, but we had fewer men up there because we like to control the game, so we didn't have to overcommit and risk. We have to win Warnock because of the team that he's got. He doesn't have those special players that can create something themselves. But we look, we look unbelievable for it. And and like you say, the final ball, if it had just been a little bit better. We'd be safe already. We'd actually be safe already, which is mental considering where we were just a couple of games ago. But you think you think that on, on the Sunderland game, we obviously we, we create some good chances, especially in the in the second half. Do you think as a consequence of Hog being missing him chucking Diara in and letting Kasumu play in the hog role? Do you think that brought about some of that attacking play? Would we be in the same with Hog in the team, do you think? He said, didn't he? Warnock said at the end of the game that with, with Kasumu playing, it meant that he played a higher line. Which I think was quite obvious, wasn't it? And, and Kasumu, the, Kasumu's a hog replacement, surely next year. Kasumu looks amazing, honestly. Yeah. Against yeah. again, against Blackburn first half, he was amazing. He was the best player on that pitch, and he dictated our play. He dictated, dictated our play like Pippa and Toffolo used to do. I know they were fullbacks, so it's it's strange comparing a, a centre midfielder to them. But Lewis O'Brien did it as well. That's probably a better comparison, although he was much higher up the field. But he gets the ball and he can take it through all the thirds. And I don't think he did that, MK Dons. I think this is a new part of his game that Warnock's brought in. But as soon as Kasumu gets it, if it's on the counter, even on the edge of our box, I'm I'm, I'm up, I'm, I'm off my seat. I'm, I'm watching him go because he just he drives with determination. He's got that he's got that fear factor. When he starts running, you can see the other teams kind of adjust for him. And, and Hog doesn't have that. He's he's never really had that. But Kasumu has enough grit to be Hog like. But I think he can bring the ball forward a little bit better. And if we can get him right, he'll be a, he'll be a much better upgrade over Johnny Hog of, of today. 
than um, than what we've what other other guys can offer. It's, he's, he's really quite exciting for me to to see him, and he's definitely come on in the last few games again. I think I think what you said, Nick, for me, it, 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 the Sunderland performance was refreshing, you know, and and it certainly after that Swansea game when, as I said to you before, I I just felt like everybody took the foot off the gas a little bit, and it it just felt a bit. God, they've played you know heavy metal football for five games, and all of a sudden we just we just completely gone kind of thing. But then it was refreshing that they actually returned at, at Sunderland. And I think I think a little bit what Ian said as well, to be quite honest with you. And there's part of me that wants to say that we don't give enough credit to Warnock and, and Jepson, you know, the 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 deemed as and he makes a joke out of being a dinosaur type thing. But you know, I think they've been quite smart. And and I think, like you say, giving people individual roles almost takes it almost takes this it takes it away from a fascination I think we have in England of formations. You know, you find Kasumu a right wing back or a defensive winger or a you know a makeshift right winger or Reg starting kind of in in centre of pitch. Uh, uh, sorry, in centre midfield. I think he's probably a a result of as is as you said of of actually just giving them very specific jobs to do rather than saying fulfil this. Fulfill this kind of formation, you know, it, 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 they follow a man. But I think, as 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 you've all said, you know, we've seen we've seen kind of complete turnarounds in performance from Karoma, Rodoni, Kasumu, Backlick, even even Ruffles, you know. And 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 at one point, I was, you know, I, I'm thinking he's 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 in Kwame Huduitu kind of territory with with the way we're playing and then you know it, not just that it, it, it not seems to be it seems to be able to to keep everyone happy I think in one of the last pods we said something about how many players we've actually got in the squad and and you know the sizable number of them yet we've seen kind of cameos from Humber from from Harrop from Yara from Headley and the way that he's being able to to kind of chop and change and bring people in and get a, get a performance out of people, I think I think he's just credit to to warm up the man manager as well. To be quite honest with you, and and you know it's what we've been crying out for for all season. You know, uh, I think probably a little bit harshly on um, Danny Schofield. You know, we were looking for for, for kind of a bit of a. Um, we were hoping that he would come come good, weren't we? Because he was a Huddersfield boy. But then Fotheringham just he just lacked any kind of man management or you know charisma or or anything like that. So yeah, I think I think for me it's just it's just nice to to see individuals playing with what seems to be a lot more freedom than than they were at the start of the season. It goes back to what I was saying before I even got appointed that town need a manager they need a man manager someone to get their arm around the players to we're in a culture now in football where everything's done on a spreadsheet isn't it and we, we look at formations and tactics and stats and we see them as players not people you know and and, it, and it's a real shame because someone like Warnock you know he's very clever 
he, he might he might act full sometimes he might joke about but he knows what he's doing and he's very very clever and he looks at individual players and what they can bring what their best qualities are what are you good at and where can we utilize you and he's done that with every single player to get the best out of them and i agree we've seen a massive upturn in performances as a result Josh Caroma, I didn't think we'd see in a town shirt again, to be honest, but he's been sensational. He's been a massive part in helping us get out of the relegation zone. Pearson's been outstanding. He's bringing some of the youngsters on. I've been impressed with Hidley as well, but I think it's just his decision-making sometimes and he gets a bit excited with his with his finishing, but that'll come in, in time. That's what Uddersfield Town need. You know, it's all very well having a, a coach in that's going to bring this continental style and this tippy-tappy football and we're going to look at these weird and wonderful formations and passing it round and this, that and the other. But sometimes it needs just a, a someone with a down-to-earth approach to bring it back to basics. And one thing that stood out, I remember Warnock saying, you know, when he first comes in, he said that he goes round every week, he goes round and he speaks to everyone at that football club, whether it be the cleaner, the cook, the coaching staff, everybody. And he takes the time to go around and speak to them all because for all part of the team, we're all working together to the same goal. And that's someone that cares about the club and someone with the experience to know that you've got, it's these extra little bit extras that sort of bring everyone together and just bring everything up a little bit and just get everyone pulling in the same direction and being seen to care to the players. And yeah, he's got the experience to back it up. And it's always difficult when you get someone without that experience necessarily to get the respect of the, of the players. But as a football club, Huddersfield Town, everything that we stand for, the industrial, hard-working, working-class club in inverted commas, it's all bollocks that they can come out with. But it's all built around that togetherness, unity, hard work, grafting. And you only get that through a manager to me, a man manager. And that's exactly what Warnock has shown since he's come in. And that's why we've seen an upturn in performances. That's why we've seen the players and the fans start to unite again and bring that hope back. And I really hope moving forward next season that whoever is the manager is a good man manager because that is what we need, I think. He's setting standards on how many times have I droned on about standards. You know, he sets a standard. You can't make people accountable if you're not accountable to yourself. And, and what Warnock does is he takes he takes responsibility and accountability by doing all of those things you've just talked about, Nick. The fact that he values everybody in the club, that he takes time to speak to those people and probably take their opinions. You know what I mean? Whether he takes them and does anything with them. But you can't hold your players and your own staff accountable if, if you don't behave in the same way. And I think that... That was probably the challenge for Schofield and Fotheringham. You know, they 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 didn't have that charisma that, that Warnock's got. They probably didn't have the confidence in, in themselves to be able to go around and, and speak to somebody who's doing the washing, cutting the grass. You know, maybe maybe that maybe there's an element of that. And as you say, Warnock's got a lot of wool on his back, so he's been there, seen it, done it. But that that and, and that that's why that's why fans, whenever he manages a team, it's why fans love him. Because his brand of football is never going to win you any favours, normally speaking. But it's about the man himself. And, and I think that, I'm with you, whether we go down or not, what we can't say is he didn't give it a bloody good go. If we don't go down, if we go down, it won't be for the want of trying, which is all we asked for. That's all we've been asking for all season, isn't it? So, you know, I'm uh, I'm with you. I'm not sure he will be here next season. But, you know, I think we need somebody with all of those 
qualities, not not can you find an industrial estate in fucking Clackeen without a map. That I'm not sure that's what I'm looking for in the next manager. So, but uh, and that and that's also noticeable since Warnock's been in the building is the lack of David Baldwin and Lee Bromby interacting with anybody or anything. You know, Neil's very much become the complete face of the club, hasn't he? They've vanished into the background. I think, I think as well. It, quite honestly, it. I think I said it after the Blackpool game. We actually, and, and you alluded to it, Nick. It, we actually look like we've got some fight in us. You know, I think in one of them games, probably the Blackpool game, they looked like they were a team fighting relegation. And up to up to that point, and and probably beyond that point, up until maybe the Norwich game, we didn't look like a team with any kind of fighting. Is we didn't look like a team that was going into a relegation scrap, thinking you know we're up against it here, you know. And 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 I think that's quite noticeable. And 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 like you say, it, it is it is really down to I think we're not just spending time with people and 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 you know. Blowing smoke up the backside to some extent. Who do we want, lads? Because look, Warnock said multiple times that he only works from February <laughs> onwards. He has entered several times and he does tend to drop hints occasionally in interviews and suggestions. And he has mentioned multiple times that he's open to consulting roles and for two, three days a week, maybe. Who do we want as manager to take us forward? Because I've seen quite a few people on social media asking for Warnock to stay. Quite a few people saying, no, let's go out in a blaze of glory. Let this be his defining moment. Walk away. Personally, I don't think he would want the job anyway. Uh, I'm not saying that he wouldn't you know, give advice. And I think he said that. He said he's open to giving advice and help if, if needed. But if not him, who who do we who do we turn to? It's it's a difficult one for me. As I've said, we need someone with proven a proven track record, a man manager, someone who we can respect, someone who's going to get the fans on side. We need Steve Bruce. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> someone, somebody, somebody who can come in. I'm not saying have an instant impact, but somebody who has the same kind of principles, values as a Warnock, because to me that's in keeping with our club's ethos. Um, but it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because as usual, the, the, all the good managers are in jobs and it's we're going to need somebody in relatively quickly because we're, there's going to be a big summer of recruitment ahead. There's going to be a lot of players leaving some experienced players leaving, there's going to be some gaps to fill. It's clear that the squad isn't good enough, really, for the championship if we do stay up. And even if we go down, we're going to lose quite a lot of players. There's going to be a big rebuild and you want the manager in to be able to shape that from the off. So what do we do, lads? Do we do we try and keep Warnock or do you think it's, do you agree with me that it's time for a change? And if so, who, who should we be going for? Well, if Warnock works three months a year, that's three months more than Ian Kilroy, in fairness, isn't it? With his, his permanent residency at Cannonhall Farm Shop. I'll tell you what, guys, I've been to more cafes in the last year than I think most people have been to their life. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. quite luxurious at the moment, although it's getting dangerously close to me going back in. So, uh, uh, Although uh, I might stick to Warnock three months, maybe, maybe that's what I need to do. 
Yeah, you're probably right. But yeah, I, I think a lot of it's going to hinge on on the new owners. I guess you know the completion's not until the end of the season, and I guess we we're probably unclear what what the route they, they want to go. Um, I guess we could perhaps take a look at the. The, the Sacramento club that the same guy owns and what he's done there. Interestingly, he's got a, a young British coach, interestingly, as the manager. So, you know, may, maybe that maybe that's the route they want to go. You know, maybe stay with the young coach, but stay with stay, stay with English. Um, there's obviously rumours about the new head of football or, you, you know, they're obviously talking about the, the lad that used to play for us. Is he at Burnley? Where somebody else is probably more knowledgeable on this stuff. Um, yeah. That's it, yeah. So, you know, they're talking about bringing him back, so which obviously would be a link to the fans. Uh, you know, he's the, the new owner's tweets. Uh, are, you know, I like, I like the tone of what he talks. Sacramento seems to be a, a community club. So there's lots of, there's lots of, uh, lots of similarities between the two. So I think if I had a preference, I'm with, with, with you. I think I'd like, I'd like, a, I'd like somebody with some championship experience. That's got half a chance. Liam Richardson keeps getting mentioned. I don't really know a lot about him. He did all right at Wigan, I think, didn't he? Before, or he got bombed out by the mutter that bought it. Um, so yeah, I think it's. I'd like Warner to be around if possible. If we're going to go the young coach route, I, I was critical of, of the support or lack of support Danny Schofield got, and possibly uh, fathering them too. You know, they had very little experience in and around them. Did they once they were sat on the sat in the big chair? So you know that might be a good shout, but. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like it to be somebody with a bit of championship experience, but I'm not sure that's where we're going to end up. It feels like we're at an end of an era. Well, we are at an end of an era, aren't we? Oil's going, and, and now we've got Nagel. Nagel? What we're doing on pronunciation of it? Is it Nagel, isn't it? Like Nagel. Nagel. Like Nagel. Okay. Comes down to what budget it is, doesn't it, really, though? Like, it's all right saying what kind of manager you want. Have we got 100 million to spend on a, pr- a, pr- a Premier League push again, or are we are we trying to break even? Are we, what, what are we? I suppose we don't really know. And until we know what we what we are, it's hard to it's hard to say what kind of manager we'd like in. If it's if it's a budget similar to what we've got now, then I'd be wanting to unproven. I think just to fight and stay in the championship while we can kind of turn over the players that we've got and bring a better kind of squad in with a bit more hope and then move on from there is what I'd really go for. But it does come back to, is Lee Bromby staying on going? Because everything kind of seems to filter down from there, doesn't it? It's Chris Markham in it at, from Bolton who, who were here with us before and there's been quite a bit of talk about him. But there has been Michael Duff, Anthony as well, from Barnsley coming in as, as coach. Um, but we're Nagel. It's down to him in it. We, we, what's really strange is, and I, I guess we'll talk about ownership a little bit, nobody knows anything of him. His tweets are pretty cool. He said a couple of things. He don't look like a chancer. Sacramento seems to be run pretty well. Um, there was talk a few years ago of them trying to get into the MLS when I think Nagel was a part of, I don't know if it was a syndicate or a, a few different investors were trying to come in or, or whatnot. And then, so is that is that what's happening here? Is it just Nagel coming in to bring town or is it other people? And, and that obviously then dictates the kind of budget that we have. And then to me, the coach that we, we should be going after. It's just... I feel like Warnock is very much just now gets into the season. He'll be he'll be gone in the summer, and I don't think we can. The way we're playing now has worked on a short period of time, and like I said earlier, we've now not won for three games, and in three more games we might it might be very bad or very very good. But I think people are trying have worked us out a little bit and, and are setting up a little bit different against us. And I think if you did it over a full season, it just wouldn't work. Warnock is the right firefighter for us, but I don't think he's the guy. I don't think. 
he would be right anyway to continue next season from the off. I don't think, I think we need such a radical change. A 74 year old bloke who admittedly only work, wants to work as much as I work isn't, isn't something that, that we should be looking at. Um, and I don't think it, I don't think it would be anyway, but I ain't got a clue. It just, again, comes down to what Nagel wants and what kind of budget we're playing with next season. And then until we've got an interview with him, which I'm guessing we won't really get until we know if we're safe in this division, until this, this season's over. And from there, we'll be able to, kind of evaluate what, what we kind of want from, from then on, I reckon. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty similar, fellas. I'm quite indifferent with it. The, you know, there's, I've heard people say that we need someone with, with the championship experience, but there isn't many out there that have that championship experience that really appeal to me. I mean, the standout candidate that's not in a job at the minute, but I don't particularly like myself is Nathan Jones, isn't it? You know, and, oh, and, yeah. Yeah, and and so there isn't a lot out there, I don't think. Um, so someone like Michael Duff, or you know, if if you keep the if you keep the kind of um, the Bolton links, you know, someone like Ian Everett, maybe, and and I guess then, yeah, going back to exactly what you said, guys, you know, it, it probably does need Warnocking as a as a bit of a. You know, a father figure or a or a, a shoulder to lean on type thing, and 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 just to help them through, you know, uh, probably probably the first couple of years maybe, and 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 get them settled into the club. But yeah, it, it, it it's probably more of an unknown because you know next season there's all manner of things that are going to change. I imagine there's going to be a big clear out of the squad. I do think that Bromby will go. Uh, and and then it'll be down to to whoever the new person is. There's also I, I keep seeing I think it's a a bloke that was linked with Stoke or was that Stoke as well that, that keeps getting linked um, that that probably has a that little bit more experience than than Chris Markham. But I won't be against either to be quite honest with you. You know I think it's I think it's uh, kind of a a complete change next year. And and for me I think. I think maybe going back to something that's a little more stable rather than I appreciate that we probably are this club. We, we, we probably are the club that develops players and sells them and, you know, and, and on a cycle, but, but actually maybe we just need to find that bit of stability for a few. As one of the lads said on the way back from Sunderland, wouldn't it be great to just have a boring couple of years finishing 13th and 12th? But yeah. We all say that, then we'll be moaning that it's boring, won't we? <laughs> but I agree, yeah. It'd be nice, wouldn't it, to not have a season like this <laughs> now and again. But it's always happens, doesn't it? You get the new owner and everyone's excited. And I've some people saying, why don't we get Graham Potter in and stuff like that? And so just let's all just calm down a little bit and just see what this bloke's going to bring to the table. It's really hard, isn't it? Because you've seen it multiple times. There's managers that have failed at clubs and then gone on to achieve great things at other clubs. And sometimes it's just the right fit, right person at the right time. And so I'm always cautious when trying to judge people and on past performances. So I kind of my viewpoint is kind of just wait and see what happens. I think I think Nick, I think probably the someone that does come in is going to have. The younger players are, are there on 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 the longer contracts, aren't they? So they're, they're probably going to have you know a team of 
Jaheim Edleys and uh, Brahima Diaras and Jack Radonis and the Sumus, you know. So it's it's a team probably with with some decent kind of uh, young players there, but I think it probably needs those couple of older heads. And 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 I guess the danger is arguably like the start of this season is you bring in an inexperienced manager with still relatively inexperienced players. It's I think in hindsight it's it's probably quite a bad mix in it, you know. So I think probably the most important part uh, or one of the most important parts of, of the summer will be getting some leaders and some experience in the squad as much as anything. Well, that's a trap, isn't it? Like they say, oh, we've got loads of young players, so let's get a let's get a coach who's who's used to working with young players to develop them. But they forget that football, fifty percent of it's mental. It's up here as well, isn't it? It's it's not just it's not just tactics. It's mental and and it's it's getting them in the right headspace and giving them the confidence. And you only get that really with with experience and um, and respect. So, I mean, Steve Cooper will, will be out of the job when Forest go down. So that's one we could. Uh... <laughs> Career look at. It's been a bit naughty there, but what about the new owner? Because we've we, we touched on it there, but we've we've not talked much about this. So Kevin Nagel, like Ian said, like we don't know that much about him. What I do know is I, I can kind of see why he's been chosen in that there are parallels with Sacramento and town. Sacramento is a club slightly smaller, but there is that community there. And he's done a lot of good work in the community, similar to what Dean's done over here. So there are parallels and there's a lot of good things said about him over there, which is encouraging. I like the fact that he's, he's gone on social media. He can't have a say in anything at the moment because he's not he's not officially the owner and he can't really interfere with anything. But at least he has gone out there social media to try and at least engage a little bit with the fans, which has been, which has been nice to see. There was a little bit of stick not getting Sacramento into the... <sighs> into the MLS, but when you look at the costs involved, he had an investor that pulled out due to COVID and people were criticising, saying he didn't have the money to take him on, but it's I think it's £350 million just to get him in there without even the, the upgrades to the stadium and everything else that comes with it and the team investment. And it's even for a billionaire, it's a lot of money to invest. So comparatively, maybe, you know, seeing Huddersfield Town as a project to get us into the Premier League, he says, hopefully, is a much more achievable, realistic ambition. I'm, I'm not sure. I've no idea what is what the motivation is. As Ian said, I don't know if he's going it alone, if he's got other investors. I've no idea. It'd be very interesting to hear his first interview, see what the, the direction of the club's going to be. I'm encouraged by the fact that he's not come out with all these fancy statements saying we're going to be at the San Siro in four years and all that rubbish. You know, the, the, what one thing you hate from these owners is coming out talking, we're going to do this, that and the other. And more often than not, it falls flat on its face. It, I like that he's kept the comments to a minimum, wait until everything's sorted and then hopefully um, we can see what he's got to offer. But don't, don't you think, Nick, that there's parallels with, with um, how with how uh, Kevin Nagel has acted, with how Dean first acted in, in his early days. There's there's a desire to to want to try and engage fans and interact with fans. And and you know, it, it it's it, it seems to be setting the, the, the foundations for um you know that that communication that, that we crave. And 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 I feel like 
dare I say it, and you know, the bloke hadn't even got in the building yet, so I'm probably jumping the gun here, but maybe Dean's learned his lesson with with the last sale, you know, and, and it seems to it seems to maybe be going back to those core principles of of trying to find someone who, you know, as much as he'll do for, for Huddersfield Town, he'll do for the community and, and everything around it, which dare I say in the Premier League years and, and kind of before that was something that was as widely reported. You know, I think it's Henry Winter that that often jumps on the um what what the town foundation does in the community and, and that kind of thing, you know. So it, it, to me it does seem to he does seem to fit that kind of mold and you know that that is encouraging. You know, to it, from the perspective of it seems like the club is hopefully being passed into to good hands rather than um possibly uh you know Training shirt, love uh, wearing uh, um, muscle muscle man kind of that 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 quite enjoys himself. So you know, I think I think I think probably uh, Kevin Nagel might be might be a little more grounded than Hodgkinson. It just seems like a smart bloke. I, I I don't understand why football like chairman find it so hard to do something so simple. Right? Do you know when you go to a music gig and the band first thing says, "Oh." I just love being in Leeds. You're like the loudest crowd ever and everyone goes mental and they love it and it's really simple and it gets everyone invested. And then you get up to football chairman, you've got idiots that come out and just say stuff to antagonise or they come out and talk bullshit about being in, like say San Siro in four years that they, they know six weeks later when they've got no money, it's, it comes out that they're not putting any money into the club, that it's an absolute pile of shite. Nagel's just come out and he's just he's just been a bit like when oil came in. I think that's what it reminds me of. Kind of understated. He, he kind of already seems to understand Yorkshire folk a little bit. So he appears like a smart bloke, which already to me then kind of takes away a few risks and worries when it comes to, oh, he's a chancer. He don't feel like he's a chancer at all. Already with a little limited um, communication we've had from him to town, like you say, he's under so many NDAs, I'm guessing, when it comes to talking about what he, what the what the club is and wants to be and whatnot. But he just seems like a smart enough bloke that seems to be doing things or is going to do things for the right reason. And yeah, it's first impressions, but like you say, at least you aren't coming, bullshitting, swinging things around like we had last time. It just feels like... And even like when Hodgkinson did come in and he spoke about challenging at the top top half of Europe or something, wasn't that something you want to be in Europe? It's mental. Mental talking like that. Nagel's not done it. And... It's, and when you think of North Americans, stereotypically, you're expecting them to oversell the dreams. And he's not, he hasn't done it yet. And it doesn't feel like he is going to do it. And that's quite refreshing. And like you say, as a start, I don't think we could have asked for much better in regards to that. It feels like he definitely is, or he reads the room well. And I think we, as a club like we are, which is is a community club, regardless of stature in regards to attendances and, and histor- historically, we are a community club when it comes to the fan base and, and we're Yorkshire miserable people. But if, if, if you will work hard for you, like, like Warnock explains, is, he knows exactly what we are. He already feels like Nagel. He's either listened to Hoyle or he's taken some sort of course or he's got some expert in on, on how to talk to town fans because it just feels right. Again, early doors might change, but I just hope that he, he gets he gets the fans because you don't want to get on the wrong side of us. We're not, we, we won't turn up. That's what happens. We're just, we're just not there. You've got 8,000 on a Tuesday night. But it, it definitely seems 
it seems like it's going in the right direction for now. And and, and at this point, that's all we can really hope for, isn't it? Yeah, he's not the other thing, Ian. He's you know the bloke's sixty eight, so you know he's he's been a very successful businessman over many years, and I think with that brings a level of self confidence, a bit like Warner, really a level of self confidence where you're able to do that. You know, he's not a guy like that's not going to ignore the feedback from somebody like Dean Hoyle either, is he? So Dean will have shared with him all of those aspirations, how we are, what we accept, what we don't accept. So he's probably well grounded already. Um, he's had, he obviously. I think you were talking about the investor he had for Sacramento to get them to the MLS that he then lost the investor. So it's clear that he's also willing and open to to having other people coming in and, and helping, whether that be financially or whatever. Whereas, you know, Dean either wanted to own it or not really, didn't he? he didn't it wasn't Dean Dean didn't want two chiefs. So yeah, you know, it's gonna be really interesting. And his mustache is magnificent, I have to say. And in a, in a Tom Selleck homoerotic kind of way, I really like his mustache. I wish I could grow one like it. Maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe like when Romanians all dyed their hair blonde or Ronaldo went with his half moon cut. Maybe it's moustache. Maybe that's what it is for next season. Maybe that's going to get us up the table and challenging where we should be. You know, you, you're completely right about that. That um, the, the, When a band comes somewhere and, and, and says, oh, you know, I love playing in Leeds or whatever. On his tweets, he puts town it's so it's it's such a basic thing. It's he chucked in a, a UTT, didn't he? He chucked in a the tower like his second or third tweet, and as soon as he did, oh, as soon as he did it, oh, I get you. I'm 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 fully on board, Nagel. I'm with you, man, Kev. Me and you were sweet all the way, no matter who. On the Nagel train, Ian. On the Nagel train. That's, that's it. We're Bring it. Do you know what? we through that stage of signing old town players. You could do that again, and I'm fully. In. I'm invested. I don't think I can be impartial anymore. You're right, though. It's so simple, isn't it? It's exactly the same as what we're talking about with Warnock. It's these things that you do doesn't cost anything. So simple, but just going out of your way to do that makes a massive difference, especially town fans, because we're all miserable bastards. We, we enjoy moaning, don't we? Yorkshire, Yorkshire folk, we just we, we, we enjoy a moan, so don't give us an excuse to, you know. We, we, we enjoy a moan, but we will, you know, if, if, you, if you show an interest and you do your best, we will get behind you. You know, and, and um, you can see already on social media that people are behind him just for making that effort. And, it, and it's great. It's great to see. And that gives me hope moving forward. It reminds me of an old Ron Burgundy as well. So he's always going to be a favourite with me with that moustache. I, I agree, mate. <laughs> so, after, after the Watford game, you can't help but be impressed with the heart of the Terriers. Sold. Um. One thing I do hope he brings, and and I know the stadium still to be sorted out, but I hope he brings tailgate parties. <laughs> That's why tailgate parties and um, and more entertainment on a match day because that is shite at the moment. I'm not. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go on a rant today about it, about what it's been like this season with the pre-match, but I will at some point. But you mean, ta- Nick, still- you mean tailgate parties up killing the bank towards Rawford? Because right, yeah. you know where that that weird just, green just fence is. Just close the road, mate. Just close it all yeah. off. That's what we want. Pulling up in cars, having a nice little drink in back of a back of an old Peugeot two or six and what like really get it pumping up there, it'd be quality, wouldn't it? Yeah. As much as as much as we joke though, you know, we we, we just don't you don't compare with teams like Man City. You know, you go to City and they've got you go in and they've got the they've got all the kind of different styles of uh food vendors here, there and everywhere, you know, they've got a stage up, there's the block music on stage there's there's presenters on stage you know 
just it's just it well it, it's entertainment in it you know the and, best comparison and, Tristan best comparison Burnley Burnley is fantastic and obviously they've yeah. got American owners too I don't know if it's a more recent thing I only went this this year for obviously the first time but there's digital signage outside the stadium and before the game they've got like a two minute um, video where it talks about everything that they've won like a ring of honor which is a very American thing there and it's like 1898 whatever it is founded and then they've got the Division Three gaming against Notts County in 1994 or something where they scored late on to stay up. I don't know what it I can't remember. But just the little things like that, which wouldn't really cost that much money considering we're in the Premier League a couple of seasons, a few seasons ago. But like you say, it looks fantastic and it feels like an event. And it's a Burnley, which stereotypically, again, is supposed to be a shit, although nobody wants to go there. But the stadium itself isn't great as a facility. But what is great is the signage that's put up around it. And it doesn't take very much, I don't think, to, to, for them to have done that. So why can't we? And maybe that is something that you look at. Because like you say, even Stoke away, they've got a presenter on and they've got all sorts. And we've got enough. We've got Rambo. Dizzy penalties are good. They have to stay. Maybe we need that on like a Jumbotron. That's what we want. Tailgate parties and big Dizzy spinny penalties streamed live on Twitter every half time. That's how we, that's how we get to the American market. And a big, oh. big moustache for Terry the Terrier. That's it. Oh, Kev's listening. <laughs> we've got some right ideas here. We can, yeah. we can sort out these attendances on our own. Marketing geniuses. If you're listening, Kev, let's let it, it. It should be a day's experience, shouldn't it? In all in all seriousness, it should be a day experience. And at town, you're getting at five to, and you fuck off as soon as games finish, don't you? And and did, that's Nick, it. Nick, did you just really say if you're listening, Kev? Yeah, Kev. Though. Well, first of all, out. if he's listening, I expect you to to show him much more respect than calling him Kev. When you've never he ain't listening, guys. He ain't listening. But no, Kevin, if no, you he's, are, he's if, listening to the other podcast that Ian's always on. <laughs> yeah, he's to that one. Oh, he's left. He's left. Yeah, he's, we're not good enough for Ian now. I know yeah. that. I know that. But if um, it needs to be, there's so much. There's so much you could do. There's so much you could do. You, you could have bands on. You could have, you need more food carts and things going on, face painting like they used to do, more activities outside pre-match. You could have, you could twin it with women's game even. You could have, I don't, I don't know if you can do this actually, but you could have a town game and then a women's game or marry it together so that you've got crowds at both games. Because the women's football team, let's be honest, I, I feel sorry for them because they're not even on website. Do you know what I mean? The, the, these people are representing Huddersfield Town. And like Man City and some of these others, we should all be together. Why not just make it all part of the experience? Why not have interviews? This is something that, like at Rugby Union, they have player interviews and, and some of the uh, manager interviews on the pitch with the mic so people can actually listen to it after the game. So if they stay, maybe have another beer and stuff, and then listen to some of the interviews. Because they're, stream- they're, they're streamed out anyway. They're broadcast out anyway. So why not just have it on the pitch talking? We can listen to it have a bigger scoreboard, have more stuff going on. Like some of the American ones, they have like this, this person looks like this celebrity and it'll focus on someone. And they have all this stuff going on. We, we don't have any of that, do we? Like this have strobes, they have, they have all sorts of stuff. And then what, what do we have? Like teams are in the tunnel and we're starting and no one, you know, there's nothing. There's yeah, nothing. Steve Cooper, talking. Nick's talking what? Steve Cooper, and now he's going to Nottingham Forest fireworks for draws. And, no, that and he wasn't going to say I'm saying up some fireworks end of this season if we stay up. That's the first thing I'm doing. Oh, it's, it's, a good start for, it's a good start for Kevin, though. Well, I'm going with Kev. I can say Kev on this podcast. So maybe that's how I'll differentiate. But it's a good start <laughs> because he must have signed. You'd think he's signed off on next year's season ticket prices, which are, which are fantastic. And there's no way he can be coming in in the summer and it not be run past him. You wouldn't think. 
Um, so again, it seems to be understanding is a little bit more there, and the stadium should be pretty full because of it. Um, but yeah, like you said, there's a lot they can do without that you'd think would cost relatively little, but increase the atmosphere and the occasion a lot more than it does. Because like you say, it's you get there at five to three and you're off as soon as you can, normally before the end, most of the games this season anyway. But um, it'll be, and remember, we're going into the centenary season next year, aren't we? It's not centenary of our foundation, but since we won, uh, started winning winning things in 1924. So it's a big one. It's a huge, huge season next year. And for a, for him to come in, the opportunity is massive, isn't it? You imagine there'll be a lot of opportunity in front of television cameras because, again, 100 years since the Thrice Champions. And uh, it's, it should be really exciting to see what, what plans he's got for us this summer. Yeah, it's it's exciting times. And um, and yeah, it's a good point, actually, about video showing the achievements. Because we we, we've got a really proud history as a football club. One of the only clubs to win win the the league three times in a row and FA Cup and we've got such a proud history like why not showcase it it's almost hidden away I think sometimes it should be you know all all the things that we've all the achievements and why not have them on the on the big screen and you know we we don't I don't think we celebrate enough as a as a club we don't showcase enough and that that needs to, that needs to change that needs to change so right let's go back to this season though just before we go, we're obviously quite precarious now and we've got quite a while before we play. We've got another couple of games for most teams before we even kick a ball. So we're only a point clear. It's looking a little bit precarious. Some people are nervous. Some people think, oh, we'll be all right. I'm nervous. I was nervous the other night <laughs> looking at the other scores. And at one point, two teams were winning and one drawing. I was thinking, oh, this is awful. And then it turned out relatively okay in the end. But how do you think this is going to go? For me, I think the one to watch is QPR because they look, they're looking right trouble. I mean, I, I thought that they would beat Norwich at home. Thankfully, they didn't. They've got a tough fixture coming up as well. Next off, I'm just having a, a quick look at the um, at the fixtures and they're away at Burnley. Now, Burnley have done the best to give um, teams around us points, but they're at home, chance to clinch the title. I think they will beat QPR. I hope they do. Um, so for me, QPR is the one that I think will finish in the relegation zone. And if we can get past these couple of games to the Cardiff game and we're still a point clear on the same points as QPR then I think we'll be alright because I do fancy us to win at least one of these remaining games but it's going to be tight lads in it I think Stoke, Stoke are going to have a big say because they play I think both QPR and uh, is it Cardiff? I think yeah, they play QPR and Cardiff Stoke and obviously they played Wigan midweek um, a lad who works for me is a massive Stoker and Alex Neal now is playing all the all the all you know they're not going to go down. I think they're like they're probably the only team beyond beyond us that can say they're safe. And I think he's been playing a few fringe players because they're going to have a really good clear out in the summer, and he wants to see a few. And apparently they were absolutely abysmal. So you know I'm not I'm not holding out much hope that they're going to do us any favors. I think Burnley are already on the beach, aren't they? They're going to win the title anyway. Let's be honest. Um, so I do think it's going to come down to the to the Reading game. I think I fancy to. Take a point at Cardiff, lose to Sheffield United, and then I think it's all going to be on the last day. It's going to be who who holds the nerve on the on the last day. But yeah, QPR have been 
terrible. They're bottom of the chip, they've reformed table on, on you know, whichever way you read it. So they're on a terrible, terrible run, aren't they? But you know, there were a few people seem surprised by the results midweek on Wednesday. People like you know, teams like Cardiff aren't just going to roll over. Cardiff and Rotherham have still got to play each other yet. Um, you know, so I think it, I'm with you. I think it's between us and QPR for that third place. Yeah, I'm with you guys exactly there. I think Cardiff have got a few enough easy games, and they look good enough to be able to comfortably get a few extra points and, and stay out of it. I think it's going to be a tough game for us on Sunday. It's a Sunday game, isn't it, at 12.30 as well. It's going to be a bit of a tough one, that. And I take a point now. I'd take. i I'd happily go into that final game needing a win to stay up. I think, realistically, that's how it goes. And at this, you'd rather dead rubbers, wouldn't you? You'd rather stoke at this point in the season. I'd rather people in playoffs even that they're trying to rest players with an eye, eye to those semi-finals and stuff because that's what's happening, isn't it? And that's why teams at the bottom doing all right. Wigan and Blackpool have gone. They're not going to get enough. It might be famous last words, I'm guessing, but... I, I think, well, I think it's pretty safe to say that they're relegated. But for us, it's that final game. And, and the way we play, though, defensively strong teams, is, is, is what you want at this end of the season. You, games will be tight regardless. They're not going to be open. They're not going to be free-flowing. The way we play, I think, is suited to these kind of games. But it's nervy. It is really nervy. And, and like I mentioned, the worry is now, we are predictable in how we play. And, and you've got the best football coaches in the world, some of the best football coaches and the best data analysis and performance guys looking at how to break us down. And now there's a few games of us playing this way against different styles of opposition. It'll be much tougher for us to pick up points than it has been. It will be. Have we got enough to stay up? I think when we come down to the final game of the season as well, needing a win, mental aptitude will be the most important thing. Are we still fragile from what happened at the beginning of the season? I don't know what we're going to be like in adversity in that final game. If you go 1-0 down, how are we going to respond then? There are. It's nice that we've got, I think, three centre-backs in Lee's Pearson, who looks like the best player in the division at this point. After I said a few weeks ago, I don't think he'd start in any of the championship team. Honestly, he has made me eat my words more than anyone else this season. And, and with Lee's and Hellick, um, I think we're pretty, pretty so strong at the back, we're not going to gift so many goals away, but it's the rest of them. It's the rest of them in that final game. Um, I don't know. It's, it's nervy considering who's going to take that final relegation place. But it's between us and QPR. It, it has to be done. It. We're good at set pieces. That's what Pearson's bagging from quite a lot in here at the moment and, and overloading. And again, that should help us. But who knows? Like Forrest didn't play a final, cheated out of two penalties, and we ended up fighting relegation this season. Anything can happen in one game. But realistically, if someone said 10 games ago, we're going to go down to the last game of the season and we're in the driver position and that if we win, we stay up, I'd, I'd have taken that all day long. And I, I think that's probably the most likely scenario. But I will say, does relegation actually matter as much as it did a few weeks ago? Now we've got a new takeover, obviously not signed off yet, but proceeding. I don't think it's as important as it was. I think if... Um, we were still stuck with Hoyle trying to sell the club. It's a bigger deal than it is because next year's a rebuild regardless. Sometimes it can be easier to be rebuilding League One, get that winning feeling back. Club is on a massive up again. I, I don't think it's as crucial as it was, but it's just nice to be able to go into these last few games with a bloody chance because I'd have bitten anyone's hand off to, to have that month, a couple of weeks. I'd have called you all a liar if you told me that's what I'm going to happen because you just didn't see it. It didn't seem possible, but Warnock's managed to somehow dig us out of a a huge hole and, and to even go into that last game with all to play for but we don't do well with them do we I'm still scared from Burton last time I, I, well not league, league one relegation but the championship relegation last time round 
And I think that's I think that's a problem with all of us at age between 30 and 60. Remembering that is 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 scaring us more than it will do for most people, I think. So that were awful. Like, I just, in fact, no, I've changed my mind. I don't want it to go down to last day. I don't think I can I don't think I can cope with it. I don't think I'll be, I might just stay in a pub in town and just listen to it instead. Because I think last we're everyone's still talking about last time. I don't think anyone will stop talking about that for at least a good 10 years. So we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, I I probably agree, lads. I think it probably is us and QPR. But to be quite honest with you, I think I think we need to focus our attentions on on matching Reading, you know, and and then it really is in our own hands. Um, I think they've got Coventry and Wigan uh, before they play us. Arguably, Coventry seem to be in a good place at the minute. Um, I don't. I think Wigan have gone, haven't they? Like like you said, Ian. I think I think I think Wigan are well and truly gone. So. We probably do need to win one of these games before that that Reading game. I think, to be quite honest with you, you know, as as you've alluded to, are people going to find out? You know, are they are they finding us out a little bit? Is 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 the Sheffield United game the game that actually we we surprisingly get a result from because we hit them on the break rather than Cardiff, who possibly might sit back and you know. I think probably the only thing about Cardiff, and there's part of me that wants them, you know, wants as many teams to be in the mix as possible. But there's also part of me that thinks they've got Stoke and Rotherham before they play us. Wouldn't it be great if they just go and get six points, get completely and utterly out of it, and and you know we go to their place with them not needing anything? So I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm probably stuck in about six different mindsets, but I think I think to be honest with you, it's. It, it more than likely is QPR. Eight points from 51 they've got. You know, they don't, surely they don't, they don't suddenly all of us, you know, just turn the form around versus Burnley, Stoke and Bristol City. Who knows? Uh, I think coming you in, I, I, I'm not sure I want it to go down to the last game of the season. <laughs> I, I completely agree. Tristan, what you just said there, I think Cardiff uh, will be fine. I think they'll be safe, they'll be clear. So for that reason, I'd rather them get the points and then help their old manager Warnock out <laughs> when we go down there. That'd be nice. And I, I, I agree with you guys as well. I was going to say Stoke worried me because I I heard a Stoke fan talking about them and, um, and they're completely checked out at the moment. So... <sighs> it's going to be it's going to be a very nervy few weeks and Reading won't have forgotten that playoff uh, final at Wembley, will they? When we went up to the Prem and they didn't. So let's hope that that doesn't come back around. <laughs> and it's the other way around on that last day. But do you know what? If we didn't have Warnock, I'd be more nervous. But I think he'll get the players in the right mindset. We've got this far, haven't we? It'd be, it'd be stupid to throw it away. When we've done this all this hard work to get in this position, we've got two home games out of three. Sheffield United, they'll be up by then. They're still going to be tough. I don't agree with all this on the beach bollocks because the, you know the professionals they still want to play and, and win. But I strangely fancy us at home against Sheffield United to at least at least get a point. And I think we can beat Reading on the last day, but it's going to be there. It's going to be awful. It's going to be a sickening day. <laughs> yeah. we, we, four points will be enough, though, Nick. If we do that, I think it'll be enough. QPR yeah. would have to. If we get four points, QPR would have to win two games. 
They've only taken two points out of the last 18. They're not going to suddenly win two games from nowhere, I don't think. Well, if QPR lose the next two, then all we've got to do is win one, haven't we? And because we're looking at the goal difference, they're not going to make that goal. So if they lose the next two games, we have two chances in theory to end it before we even before we even play Reading. So that's what I'm hoping for anyway. But oh, I mean, God, there's there's so many twists and turns, isn't there? It's so hard to, you know. I'm just looking at the form in all the teams, and there's nobody with any sort of consistency really, um, apart from maybe Sheffield United actually with with four wins from five, but. Um, and Swansea but other than that it's a mixed bag for everybody and it's nerves at both ends of the table and this is what it does to you and that's why it's always best to play the middling teams I guess but um, what will be will be lads we'll um, we'll see but um, have you anything else for tonight that we've not talked about I would say thoughts on the next game but it's so far away isn't it let's let's hope for some favourable results at the weekend and then we're, we're one step closer, aren't we? Um, I I think we can get a draw at Cardiff. I'm hoping they'll be safe by then. But we will see. Cheers, gents. Thank you for listening, everyone. We'll be back again soon after, hopefully, promising result at Cardiff. See you then. <laughs>